another session with the Tri-Tech Games Podcast, starring Bruce, John, Trav, Pixie. So sit back and groove with us cats as we spin another session of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Last time, we were talking about how the Skyrim cultures would react to the fringe-worthy cultures, such as the Blizzniz and the Demixie. We now pick up where we left off. Your mammoth has the mange! Yeah, okay, now Jeff, let me bring the other race that we mentioned. Demixie! That's right, the Demixie! Yeah, they kind of sound like that, kind of wheezy and... Imagine a spider with a humanoid top but a toric body with eight legs. And they tuck out their butt. Literally. Yeah, Jeff, kind of like a drider, but even the the facial features are that of a spider. The multi-segmented eyes, the 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 mandibles and everything, but they are toric in body form. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the venom sacks and the proboscis for sucking out the good stuff from their victims. But yes, um, you guys are going to be the creepy crawlies. Jeff's about game for about a year now, but he hasn't. I haven't really gotten into a lot of the fringe-worthy races, so I'm kind of giving him a Reader's Digest version of these. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have slargs, humanoid, human-sized dogs with no eyes but like radar sense, and they a flight or flight, flight or fight. 99% flight, 1% fight. They are abject, abject cowards. If you see the slarg running, you don't have to outrun what's chasing the slarg. You just have to outrun the slarg. Good luck in that. So basically, so basically that race, last race you mentioned, the slargs, would be comparable to our deer. No, they'd be more comparable to a uh, fairly large wolf with probably be able to run at speeds, not quite of a cheetah, but definitely faster than a human. And because they're oh, dogs, yeah. and because, because well, they're well, dogs, I, they can run. He was talking run. in like attitude. Yeah, because deer will be no. the first. Deer will fight back if, if cornered. You have to literally. Well, any animal will fight back if cornered, but generally, if there's an escape route, the deer will take it. Yeah. But deer, That's but, really bad. unless yeah. it's running season, I'm from Michigan and I know about running season. And yeah, you, you so stay the heck away from the deer. Yeah, so Jeff, as I said, if this were an early campaign, like in the first five years after Earth Prime discovers the fringe paths, you're going to have a human team with mostly people from Earth Prime and some people maybe from other worlds that are human, they just have different histories, like the Victorians or the Golden Horde or the Norlanders or the Erders. Fine. Yeah, you know what? The Nor- Norland now was it the Norlanders? No, the Erders would go, Yeah, this is a good place to go. It's nice and it's just like home. Yeah. Because it is. Well the Norlanders would be too. 
Well, the Norlanders would be too because they also come from cold climes. That's what how they escape their plague. Yeah, they also come from a world that has twenty percent more gravity. So yeah, that guy who only comes up to here on you can deadlift you with one arm. Yeah, that's the air. Anyways, but but Jeff, if it's later in the campaign, okay, let me um, zero to five years after Fringe Discovery is the early campaign. Five to twenty years is considered middle. Anything after well, on Earth Prime, it'd be twenty thirty three. We call the late campaign. In middle and late, you know, meet, yeah, middle and late campaigns for Fringeworthy, you're going to be having a lot more integrated teams. Some of these races don't look human. Some of them aren't even humanoid. Yeah. And if the GM takes a, takes a shot at the alien creator, oh, good Lord, they're not going to be anything like human at that point. Did you ever roll a character in the alien creator? He ha- no, he hasn't. We uh, No. But, yeah, Jeff... It, the sky's the limit. You could find a world that has like humanoid crickets or, you know, balls of light with sentience. You know, I mean, it could be anything. So oh. medium and late campaigns, your teams are going to be very racially diverse. Oh, kind of like our Maze Runners uh, campaign. Yes. Yeah. I actually think a few of the, some of the tagalongs, you could also have a pangalisk with them just because. And one poor unfortunate may have three groups. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so let, let okay, so... Uh, you yeah. might have things that they don't know what to call it. Oh, no, like they that. would look, no, no, the people on this world would look at some of the fringe races that are on an IDET and just shake their heads. They'd be like, like, I got nothing. What are you? We're mages and we don't understand this. Right. And then you get the mages that go, I want to study this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, there you is... Know what you are. Yeah, but there's a there's a reason why you could easily explain this away, and that's because these kinds of this world has oblivion gates, which are portals right. to other realms, and right. all kinds of weird things could come out of those. Right. Okay, so if you have somebody yeah. who's familiar with the game world, if you have somebody who's familiar with the game world, they could easily have explain they could easily explain it as creatures from a plane of oblivion. Since the, since the planes of oblivion are not very well explored, this can be an easy way out. Roll your bluff skill, folks. Yeah. Right. So, as because the IDET are going to want to explore this Sarthal. Oh yeah. This city. So what would it? Let, let's go back to Sarthal here and ancient Nordic tomb and the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. It used to be the capital. Of Skyrim was built by. Iskwermore, before it was sacked by the Snow Elves, it was the final resting place of Jurek Galderson, capital city of the Empire of the Nords, which was established by Iskwermore. It was one of the first cities established by men in Tamriel. Snow Elves destroyed the city in what is now known as the Night of Tears, and only Iskwermore and his two sons escaped during the carnage. Later, destruction of the city would be avenged when Iskwermore returned with his famed warriors, the 500 Companions. The famed enchanter known as Ajadal heard of the arrival of Iskwermore and the 500, and he went to them and offered his services to him and his army. With steel imbued with powerful enchantments, Iskramore, the five-year companion of Azadel, began to hunt down the remaining snow. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Under Sarthal. Under Sarthal is... That would be that dungeon. This would be the this would be the dungeon crawl portion of the day. <laughs> yep. And now we have come to the dungeon crawl portion of our show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, there's even a separate page for that. Ooh, the Eye of Magnus under yes, Sarthal. Okay, wow, that's a big eye. Under Sarthal is actually part of the College of Winterhold questline. 
which deals with the eye of Mammoth. Okay, I'm seeing why Jeff did this. Yeah, trivia. To the northwest of Sarthal, a dead frozen mammoth sticking out of a wall of ice can be found. Spears of dwarven make are lodged in the body. Dwarven arrows can also be found. The mammoth must have fallen down into a glacier frozen solid after being killed by the ancient dwarves thousands of years ago. Ah. And now you know why I chose that particular precipice for the portal. Yeah, I see what you did there. So basically, so the question is, so they're they're arriving post post dungeon delving. Then am I correct or not? She did sort of a, a so so kind of hand motion. They could they could be arriving? Yeah, I would say it might be better to do in process. Like they're they're just starting this next excavation because this has been an ongoing thing for the college. Oh, so. College of Winterhold, yeah. Yes. Arneal Gain, yeah. Yeah, so the picture we see on the page for Sarthal, that's with no one there. If they're there, I imagine there would be tents or something set up for the oh, yeah. uh, for the folks. So, yeah, they would yeah, see That's a pretty big... If yeah. you're looking at the picture, you can see two, oh, wow. uh, two what look like sleeping bags. I would imagine tents and a campfire easily set up right there. Wow, I'm seeing, this is a nice, pretty big spread here. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty roomy. And you can see the dungeon entrance right there underneath where the sleeping bags are. Yes. Yep. Like, like right around here would be where the campsite is. Okay. And they go down this walkway or up here, so they can get down there or both either. So all this, um, all these platforms and and stuff it was built by the uh, researchers then. Yeah. These okay. would have been put. These would have been put. The wooden walkways would have been put by in the place college. Yeah, by the college mages as they excavated more and more of Sarthal. Yeah, which also explains the wooden walkways inside Sarthal, as there are some. What's holding up the right side of that that one rope bridge up there in the upper right hand corner? Yeah, I'm it, seeing. I'm wondering about that too. Well, it could be held up it, by magic. You don't know. Hey. Or it didn't render in when he did the shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But no, I, I would be seeing this at, because you know you're going to have anthropologists on this team. You're going to get somebody who is knowledgeable in history and archaeology. If you are, especially later teams, you're going to have an archaeologist, anthropologist, paleontologist on your team as a matter of just, okay, we need them on there. They're going to look at this and say, yeah, we're in the middle of an archaeological dig. And they'll just go right in and say, okay, we got this here and start doping out what this place could have been. Hey, you know, if you did, if you time it right, one of them may actually be from uh, the British Empire Earth, aka Victoria Earth, by the name of Howard Carter. Going, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yep. And of course, as they're going through the dungeon crawl and exploring things, the person might come across uh, the occasional jewelry, the necklace, ring, which could be enchanted. Um, now, see, here's here's the thing. Okay, Jeff, remember I said that. This node is only two away. This is at positive 15. Positive 13 is the Bureau 13 world. Even in the early campaign, they would have already gotten basically a Reader's Digest version of, yes, magic exists. These are things. And um, what to look for. If you right. find a perfectly good ring in the, mid in the middle of a ruin, chances are it's a magical item because magical items don't tend to deteriorate. Right. Exactly. This thing, this ring shines as if it's just been made. Right. It doesn't have any tarnish no on tarnish. it. The gem is still the intact. Is, right. There's there, no I mean, in the gem setting. 
Yeah, this is where the, the most important piece of equipment you should carry in these sort of things, the, marsh, the, the marshmallow extendable fork. Made out of stainless steel. You just extend it, reach over, and pick the ring up. Without touching it, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> you touch the wrong thing, yeah. you start setting up magical traps. Well, also, and, and yeah, you're not going to have magical uh, trap binders. No, not in the early... Not really. No. Well, it, it's it even in the... It does depend. Yeah, even in the medium and late campaign, you might maybe have somebody versed as a minor apprentice in magic, just enough to know, okay, there's magic here. We've discussed this before. They'll get to a node. They'll try to cast a detect magic spell. They'll know the difference between, oh, the spell worked, but I don't detect magic here on the node, or the spell didn't fail. Okay, this is a magic dead node. Now, if the apprentice mage or acolyte, we're using the D20 modern rules yeah, here, i.e. cleric, right. if they sit there and realize, okay, there's magic on this world, they're going to know, okay, we're going in here, we're expecting magic. And they'll have their detect magic up, and okay, it's like, yeah, we're in a dungeon, okay. there's magic rings, yeah. Well, that's only if the Prime is the um, is the one with magic. If the Prime doesn't have magic and just the alts, the alts, you have to go onto the alt to actually be able to do anything. Well, right, well yeah, but okay, well, let's see this. We put this on the node where the Kegak homeworld was. No magic there. Not much of a homeworld either. Well, well, in the in the in on the it would be just on the alt that well I thought we decided that even if there's magic on an alt it's throughout the entire node. No, no, it's on the prime. The prime is what sets the tone. Okay, so the prime is what has to have magical has to have mana. If it's a dead magic world, then the entire node is dead magic. Yeah, okay. let me let me explain this to you again, Trap. Okay, no, no, I, I'm not trying to be, be uh, I'm not trying to insult you. Uh, the alternate platform, each one of the portals on the alternate platform is actually a link to an entire different node. So, and you can rotate those alternates around and that changes the prime and everything else, the, you know, the, the system, star, and whatever, to whatever is the primary yeah. of, the, uh, of that particular thing. So you have actually nine universes all collapsed into one node. Yeah, you have what's you know so, uh, so yes, you can definitely have a alt that has magic, even though the prime and everything else doesn't, because oh, that's okay. actually a different universe. Okay, it, that does make sense. It is an of the eight alts are alternates of that prime's universe. Yes, right. And all the primes are parallel Earths. Okay, got it. Yeah. 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 I, I I described that badly because basically it meant the platform won't have any magic. The world could. Okay. All right. And he and the the magical the the acolyte cleric whatever would probably know to do that, even though the platform doesn't have. Right. It, they would once they, they go through the portal, finger wiggle, and oh, we have magic. Oh, it's here. Spell works. I'm not detecting anything within sixty feet, but the spell went off. We have magic here, folks. I'm trying to remember: would magic items immediately turn on on a magic world, or would they have to wait ten minutes before they kick back on? No, magic item, as long as it's not like a computer with a, you know, a hard tech computer with a spell cast on it, once the, I mean, the magic aura would still be there visible. You'd have to wait the 10 minutes to recharge the tech aspect of the computer. Okay, so that's a simple test. There's your simple test. You have what looks like a mood ring. It's not. It's a, it's a ring that just glows when it's, some, you know, when there's magic around. Yeah. 
or okay. or, or it just has a that would, that would probably be something in the later campaign. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They get it for some place that make that makes uh, industrial production of magic rings. Oh, what do you want to do? I just wanted to. Sh- it would. These things are easily available from Bureau Thirteen. Yeah. It would be literally a ring to take. Magic. Yeah, the second world would be just cranking those out left, right, and center for their agents. Anyways, and, they're digging around in and yes. and. The IDET would be dealing with an archaeological dig. Right. Either, okay, may we look around here and check out. We're not going to disturb anything. We just want to see what it is here. We're, mm-hmm. you know, there was a, and, and, and if you managed to BS your way through, yeah, we're from an, we, we walked here from an, an oblivion gate. Don't mind us. We're not going to mess with you. That one might actually scare them, especially if you, especially if you have the, Especially if you have like older people, like elves, that may have survived through the Oblivion Crisis. And how long ago was that before Skyrim? Approximately two hundred years. Oh yeah, there wouldn't be humans that'd be alive then. No, it would be if you have elven mages that may have survived that. They'll be you get the wide-eyed. Where is it? Or you could also encounter somebody that's really good with their history, that read about it in the many, many books across the land. And they'll be like, I read about this. Oblivion Gates, not good. Bad. You, you, might, you might either get instantly attacked or you might just get arrested depending on your hostility level toward toward the people around you. And then they're going to want to know where the portal is so they can send troops in to shut it down. So the question, the question is, is there the equivalent of a hold person spell in Skyrim or is it more or less die or... Do we really want to get into the whole magic? Oh, no. Well, okay. There absolutely is. There absolutely is. Okay. Okay. There are, from what Josie told me, there's two different types of magic systems in this world. You have your typical spells that you could simulate with, oh, look, the NPC on this world is a a Pathfinder or D&D wizard. Or there is a paralyzed spell. That would work as whole person, yeah. Yep. Okay, or, now what are these things called? Oh, right. You just explained the traditional magic spell, wiggle finger thing. Yeah. Or, you can use the words of power. These are the dragon shouts. Now, if you want, now, I don't know, is it, remember, again. this is something. Well, let me explain the game mechanic part. All right. Okay, now if you were doing, if you're doing, if you're playing Fringe with a D20, depending if you're using, well, uh, I believe for 3.5 it was the Tome of Magic where they had Word Magic, or in Pathfinder, Ultimate Magic Chapter 4, Words of Power, it should suffice. It's also on the Pathfinder SRD site, how to do, where you pick and choose Words of Power, you put them together, and you make spells. That could be used for your NPC wizard that you're setting up. Let's say you run across this wizard and you cross him the wrong way. He's going to be using a different type of spell. If he uses one of these dragon shouts, it words of power, usually from what I see in games, it's a more primal form of magic mm-hmm. because your typical finger-wiggling wizard and all that, that's more quantified. You have the magical right. notation scrolls you can take you decipher a scroll and you see that besides the spell writer's personal notes there is the standard language of magic that goes into scrolls and spell books words of power it is it's more primal 
you have to learn them orally, vocally to do them. Yes. And, and you can you pick and choose. Let's say you just, okay, and Josie gave me a perfect example earlier. Let's say you want to speed up or slow down time. Now, you could pick words of power, and again, whatever system you use. I'm not sure if there's a, a, a word of power system for Savage Worlds spellcasting. No, but you can easily, you know, basically, it's a, such a simple system. You can simply say, that's how I cast magic. I say the magic words, and bang, it happens. Okay, all right, fine. We did, however, go over creating your own magic system, and that could easily yeah. be used to work something out. Refer to our Refer Making the Perfect the... Magic System episodes. Yes. But let's say I wanted to slow down time or speed up time in some aspect, either for myself or my opponent. You would take certain words of power. Let's say you wanted to slow down just one person. Now you could either use these words of power to mimic a slow spell on them, excuse me, or a haste spell on yourself. Let's say you get together about like five or six words of power. Hi, you have time stop. This mage is now running around, stealing your guns, um, unloading them, handing them to you disassembled, or you know, doing something that effect because he's amassed five or six words of power together, which mimic the time stop spell. That's how these words of power, this system, these dragon shouts would work as far as mechanics go. Now, it's also kind of like how in World of Darkness you have your rote magic, where you're just picking together components and boom, you make a spell that would be akin to a, a normal spell. So these dragon shouts are these primal power, and they were they they were created by the dragons of this world, right? And then given to the quote unquote yes. lesser races. The dragon shouts to a dragon shouting comes as naturally as breathing. Well, yeah, it's dragon. Look at the a size battle, of head and lungs. A battle between dragons is actually a deadly verbal debate. They're they're shouting as they speak at each other. But also, magical effects are happening. Like, yes, they're like shouting, the and all of a sudden, yeah, right, okay. So it's magical flame wars, okay? Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes, nice. They are. Oh wow! My caps lock is on. You will die. <laughs> Anyways, more about the dragon shout. They, the the gift was given to the mortals by the rest when they started to rise up against the their draconic overlords. They the the mortals of the world basically said no we don't like you go away we want our free will we want to live as we choose not as your servitor races right okay so the, the goddess can bestowed them with the ability to speak as dragons do so basically was this like behind the dragon's back that she did this like to give the humans and the other races sort yeah. of a leg up and fighting against the dragons Yes. Because if it did, that wouldn't have gone over well with the dragons looking gone, at the sky no, going, you gave them what? It yeah. wouldn't have gone over well with the dragons. And there's actually a note on the wiki that's that there's a bait as to the one dragon named Parthenex may have actually been involved in teaching mortals how to speak. Kind of like Hephaestus giving humans fire. Gotcha. Right. Okay. She may have, Kinnereth may have guided Parthenex to do this. Okay. So you have these mages... Mm -hmm. Right. That are either using your typical However, spells or these dragon shouts. However, for for typical people, it takes years of meditation and study to learn even the simplest of shouts. Well, yeah, because you're dealing with something in draconic language and you have to grasp those primal you, forms of magic. Yeah. You can't, you know, fire and forget your typical what we call Bansian magic in D&D. &D. 
Right. Oh, it has the spell slots and your wizard or sorcerer or whatever. No, this once part of the study and the meditation is to understand the the meaning of the word. You have to not so much think. It is more primal. You don't it, think, you feel. Oh, it's kind of like yes. Groby and Ziggy. <laughs> Quit thinking, smack him in the head. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So these the shout itself becomes a part of you once yes. you finally understand. So I'm looking at one of the dragon shouts. I'm looking at one called Bend Will. Your voice bends the very stones to your will as it gains power. Animal people and even dragons must do your bidding. You simply go. You 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 say you say the words, "Go hadow," or "Dov," which is the words. Go hadow. Go hadow. Go hadow. Which and me? Then you say, "Tell me who you are." You. Yeah, uh, what, what 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 level uh, saving throw would you have to do for, to resist that? Pretty high. Do I? Oh, talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna look this up here because I, I got I've I got would. ultimate magic here. I'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm looking. I I'm in agreement with Pixie here. Your save throw for that would have to be extremely high. Well, that yeah. But... One directly depends on how many wards are here are used. Yeah. No. All three are used. Yeah. The fact that the third word, the, the the words themselves translate to earth, mind, dragon. Right, because the word dove is, is short for dovakin, which is dragon. No, dovakin is actually something different. Dove is dragon, as in dragon kind. Mm. Dova is dragon, as in the things that fly. So, if you just want to control humans, you only need two of the words then. Right. But still, looking at the power levels, it's a level 90 on their scale here. It's a That's a recharge timer. Oh, that's re only second Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm looking at the command words here. Now, in Ultimate Magic, Chapter 4, this would be 172, 173 pages. Simple order, complex order, and crush will. Yes. A uh, simple order would be equivalent to a bard, cleric, inquisitor, sorcerer, wizard, witch, first level. Uh, third or fourth level for complex order, and fourth or fifth level spell for crush will. So Those you would be one, two, three. Okay, so crush will. The target of the word spell with this effect word obeys any commands given by the caster. These commands are sent through a mental link, which does not require speech. Target ignores any commands that are suicidal and self-destructive. A word spell with this effect word only affects creatures of the humanoid type. So you'd have to change things around to, you'd have to add more words to, okay, I want that giant to command, to follow my commands, or that dragon. You'd have to add more power. But generally, this is the thing. Yeah, that's already right there, just a fifth level spell if you're a wizard and you're using word magic. Mm -hmm. So it's a role, you have to be minimum ninth level in Pathfinder OGL parlance to cast that spell. Okay. So it's only, so now do you save against the spell level or caster's level? Oh, uh, let me, as I said, I really don't use this. I as kind believe of, the DC is related to spell level. Okay. I mean, if they wanted to do that same thing, then it would be still 10 plus spell level. Plus if you're a wizard, it'd be your int mod. So that would be a DC 18 will save. That's pretty high. That's a, actually a relatively decent will save. And, and, and it sounds like it's an area effect, too, from the way it's way I was looking at the description for uh, it. Let's see, for crush will? Well, I'm looking at the Skyrim version. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, it's okay. It's not really an area effect. This particular one is a target effect. Okay, so, yeah, Good. it's... 
It is a single And target. it lasts one round per level. So if you're minimum, that's nine rounds at 54 seconds. Not quite a minute it would last, but yeah, pretty much any commands other than suicidal or self-destructive will negate. So yeah, it'd be a DC-18 will save. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. It uh, is pretty high will save. And there is that chance. You can kind of fudge things to, to make that. Oh yeah, you could boost more. it with other words. It just you depends on how the system is used. Yeah. It depending on how the system is used, you could do that. But I'm I'm just using as again, everyone knows OGL is my is my engine of choice. So I'm I found the words of power. Joe and I are looking at. Well, we just found the dragon shouts. We said yeah. that about five hours ago. <laughs> so we, so we say gold. So we just do the first two words. It's a level five spell. Well, no, it'd be like a level three to four spell. Even then, that's minimum. But that would be crushing the will yeah, of, a per, of a human being, though. I'd be crushing the, their will from the way it's described. So it's, no, it's, it's crush will is the fourth, the fifth one. That's the he, one with the DC. Describing, he's describing them as they are in the book, right? Uh, the the complex order would be like using the two words. Yeah. The simple is like using the first word only. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of relative strength. Yes. But this word magic would be, because it's word magic is relatively, most people when they learn magic and the, from the conventions that I've seen in fantasy games, they're going to use your typical wizard, sorcerer, cleric. Words of power are known by very few because it's that more primal form of magic and it is longer to learn. As I said, as Josie said, it takes years to learn how to do dragon shouts and it's almost an ascetic type where you have to like clean your mind out and just oh, yes. be totally mm -hmm. open because you got to learn to speak it. And I'm taking these words are in draconic. Yes. Which is not an easy language for humans to master anyways, because you know, the draconics have a much more developed right. throat musculature and tongue and, and a human trying to speak it. They sound to a dragon, like an idiot. And the dragon's like, you're missing so many nuances and they want to pat you on the head, say, it's cute that you're learning the Draconic language. So it takes years to learn these words that carry such primal magic power. But still, you have a person who might, if you're allowing dragon shouts, this is something they might actually have. I mean, we're talking an instructor. Right. You know. Yes. We're talking that they might they might know one, maybe two words. Yeah. If there, and there are feats within the ultimate magic that say, yeah, you may be a normal spellcaster, but you've learned a word or three. Right. That you can pull out of your pocket, you know, to like throw people off because oh, he's just a normal spellcaster. Wait a minute, what did he just yell? And why did my gun just melt? Yeah, why did my gun just melt? Yeah, why is why is Joe spilling the beans about who we really are? Yeah, this is where we come back to what happens if you have somebody on the team that recognizes this place. Yeah, they'd be like, oh crap, they got the dragon oh. shouts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, luckily, everyone will ignore the will do, ignore the not the mix. They'll ignore the blizzness because it's a beast of burden, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, until it talks. Yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> again, I think bluff skill would be majorly used on this world when meeting with these people because of the things that might come through the portal with you. If you have a blizzness character, learn a human language, so that you can go. Oh, guys, I think you're in trouble. I better play yeah. an elephant again. Yeah, but the 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 Blizzness has that calming field anyway. So, and it, how did okay? I believe Rich made it that, or Rich and all of us made it. It's like an automatic plus ten to the Blizzness's diplomacy. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. If we go to Fringe of the D twenty, yeah, it's a plus yeah. ten 
permanent plus 10 is their diplomacy. So they can make requests and calm everybody down. And hopefully that blizzness will, you know, cooler heads will prevail. Step forward and go, okay, everybody, stop this. Yeah. Well, because, well, from what Josie was, and we discussed this. For those of you out there, there is the term salty. Oh, boy. Well, just because you're telling me about past history of this world. There, there are some people that hold some grudges in this game. Yeah, the, 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 the humans led by Scrimore didn't like the snow elves, so they hunted them down and killed them all And after, after the snow elves attacked the city. And something yeah, about they, the Red Mountain exploding and then a city falling into the sea and people blame the college yes. when it was simple plate tectonics. Right. Decades later, they're still blaming this college for the city falling in the sea when it was around, a simple... Around 100 years or so after Red Mountain exploded, half of Winterhold City basically collapsed into the sea. The college of Winterhold was left unharmed. So the people. So they were held responsible. Like, oh, these are a bunch of superstitious medieval folk. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it must be their fault. They weren't hunted. But, but I'm just saying, it's like between this grudge and that grudge, there are some salty. And uh, okay, I will. <clears throat> there are some salty Oedipuses in this, pl in this game world. <laughs> you have the Selmar. And just, yeah, I'm like, man, oh. he's, and, and she's, you know, throwing all these historical. I said, these are some salty people here. They don't. Let they a grudge go for nothing. No, they don't. This is the kind of people where... They're looking at those college people going, yeah, I heard what you did to that mountain. It's like, we did... God, you know. Yeah. They, they don't even... Yeah, you do it right. You teach it to your kids. They teach it to their kids. And it yeah, keeps right. on going. Yeah. Don't even, really, don't even really acknowledge the whole Red Mountain thing beyond knowing about... Beyond maybe knowing about the events of the Red Year. They right. just think something the mages did at the college caused the collapse. Right. But it's been going on for generations, this yes. grudge, as I said. It's and like, I'm noticing a pattern. You don't, like me and Josie, you don't need to be autistic to see this pattern. No. The people of this Skyrim world are just a bunch of salty MFs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not exactly any better. I swear. You well, have still, the, just... The, yeah. You have the Cross Brothers. <laughs> so... As they explore, let's say it's got to be something. They popular. explore around Sarthal. What other things would be in that area that would draw an Idet's attention? I mean, Sarthal would be the most obvious thing. But let's say they they look and they go, I don't know. I mean, we're seeing people digging around there. You know, they got their their they recharge their binoculars and everything. You know, with their the electric rangefinder binoculars, and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm seeing people move around there. Do we really want to? have first contact yet so what else jeff and josie would be in this general area that would attract an idet's attention oh let me bring up the old map of doom of skyrim here yeah you do that well they're not really close but southwest ish from where the portal would be is the dwarven ruin of Elfhand. okay that would be something else and uh, yes, yeah, yeah, the Thorvald that would. I'm looking at the area map where they show Sarathal, and I see yeah. um, more or less directly south and just a little bit to the right. It's a dragon. To the head. west. Well, to the no, the yeah. right is a dragon head. So. Oh yeah, Mount Anthor. That is a dragon lair. South uh, south southeast of Sarathal. So you have either this dragon lair. Or this abandoned and, Dwemer city. And if you, if you have somebody that's really good with seeing things happen in the distance, 
from the east dish of Sarthal, you have the Shrine of Azura. It's this, it's got a huge statue on top. Yeah, huge. Mount Anthor is nowhere near uh, Alphaland. No, I'm looking at the, the map of this particular region of Skyrim. Mount it Anthor. looks to be a pretty detailed map here, Bruce, from Mount what she's Anthor. got. I'm looking at a pretty detailed map, too. It's, you know, from the... Uh, no, no, no. I'm looking at... There's and also one. Too bad you couldn't put that map in. I would fairly noticeable after you come out of the portal and you take in your surroundings. You look behind you toward the edge of the precipice where the uh, portal is standing. You will see the island of Yzgamer. Yes, I know. I mangled it. I know. I mangled it. Yzgamer's tomb, I believe. Oh. Yes, yes, the tomb of Yzgamer. Yeah? What about it? That island can be seen from the portal site if you do a complete 180 turn and, and look behind the portal. And okay. Bruce, wouldn't you, didn't you say that in later campaigns, I mean, um, IDETs would have like on a trailer like satellites they could launch and stuff and they bring ultralights with them and such? I mean, Oh, absolutely. Sure. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, after a while, they'd fire those things up in the air and get massive recon, and they'd be seeing all this stuff anyway. But that's a right. later campaign. No, not really. I mean, it means uh, the first thing that I would do in these kinds of situations, especially it being as cold as it is, I would put up a balloon and I would have a camera package on it. I'd just bring it up and let it start taking pictures. Okay. And bring it, yeah, back, and bring it back down. These yeah, islands it, and everything. Yeah. Sure. For the but but for the shelter thing going after after I did all of that, chances are I would just go ahead and brave going to Sarth Hall because one it is the closest. Yeah, and you don't want to go through that many safe throws to uh, prevent frost damage or whatnot. You want to get to shelter as quick as possible, and then you can learn the lay of the land from anybody nearby. Well, that's assuming that they they're not driving through in their in their uh, Moscovy. Yeah, if they were driving through in an SUV, yeah, I mean that would be. Yeah, but if you're if you're riding around in one of those things, then yeah, that's not really going to be a high priority for for shelter as you're inside a vehicle that has a lot of heat. Yeah, right. But it's Which also was... the closest place where there'll probably be people who can tell you what's around, what's here. You know. Uh... Uh, are are the natives in, innately unfriendly? <laughs> so, yeah, still going to Sarthal would still be a good option because you can, like he said, get the lay of the land. I, th I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, they would see fire, you know, coming up from cooking fires and stuff like that in the distance coming from Sarthal because people are there. It's cold. They're going to have stuff cooking, moving, you know, burning yeah. away. Sure. Yeah. That's a that's a very common thing that's used to burn in these kinds of climbs. So there, it's going to be pretty much like a ninety percent chance plus that they're going to go to Sarthal first. I would I would think something. that. Yes. Okay. All right. I just want to know what else would be there in case they say, "Oh, we really don't. We're you seeing know, habitation there." Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Let's say they don't want to do first contact. That they're doing just straight recon. I just want to know what else was generally around. Okay. But yeah, 90% of the time, they're probably going to go to Sarthal and say, okay, let's check this out. We see habitation there. Right. We'll I mean, you're going to see a lot of smoke coming up from Winterhold, 
you know, directly to the east. I mean, but then you, but you have a big range of mountains between you, you and it. Yeah, Sarthal would be pretty much first thing either way. Okay, it's kind of on the way, even if you want to go to Winterhold and Winterhold. Okay. And so you're not really going to be able to see Winterhold from the area that you come through, barring barring of a satellite, yeah, thing and and. That way. Okay. Well, you, you you won't be able to see the actual structures of it, but you would be able to see a lot of smoke rising, indicating some kind of urbanized area. Yeah. Okay. I see one thing missing from these maps. I'm in, I've been looking at a map scale. I have no idea how big. Scale. Oh yeah, how far it is. I, in between. Yeah. I I don't think that's ever used because or it it's might a be days travel. I would have to look. Yeah, it's not really necessary. All you have to do is grab something as a a, a point of 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 interest. Okay, yeah. so for example, if you look over um, at uh, at Winterhold, you got the Jarl's Long House. Okay, now if if you've ever been there, you know that that thing's around fifty feet long, no more than that, like a hundred feet long. So just take the length of that as the equivalent of a hundred feet, and you now know that. We are coming out is going to be somewhere around the neighborhood of, oh, uh, maybe six, seven, 600, 700 feet from uh, from where the uh, Sarthal is. So, oh, okay. So Sarthal is only like 700 feet from Winterhold? To be continued. Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. <laughs> <laughs>